Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal, develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com What is going on, guys? Welcome back another foul front episode i know we had some people that were uh, banging down the doors for another episode and you know we're getting in the busy season joining me once again is my co-host thomas hoke from hoke outdoors how are you tonight thomas oh doing good excited to be back on like you said we've taken a little bit of downtime but we didn't do the typical like six months hiatus so <laughs> two, two years to... yeah exactly i'm happy that we're at <laughs> least um if nothing else, we'll try and keep it, you know, monthly, hopefully uh, keep it more regular than that. But we're both pretty busy this time of year. So podcasts are uh, not exactly the number one priority, but we're going to try and do them as, as often as we can. Yep. Yep. Obviously, you know, we're we're scouting, we're out hunting. Uh, I know you've gotten a lot more hunting done than I have this year just because of, you know, being a lot further north and well, you went all the way east too. So I guess let's just jump in and tell us, uh, tell everyone what you've been up to the past month, Thomas, and then I'll go after you. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, so yeah, I went back to Virginia for the first like three weeks of September. I've always really enjoyed the, the dove hunting opening day in Virginia. It's one of my favorite days in the entire season. So went back for that primarily. And unfortunately, the dove season was pretty terrible in Virginia. I'm not sure if I just kind of, because I hunt a really small area for doves. It's right around where I used to go to college. And this year, it just, it seemed like the doves were almost non-existent. I mean, we shot a few doves, but never had that really good kind of lights out dove hunt that we typically get a few times during September. Uh, on the flip side of that, the goose hunting was pretty good. Uh, we do a lot of river floats during September. So floating down the river in our kayak, bring a fishing pole, try and catch some smallmouth, some other fish and shoot some geese while doing it. It seems like the geese had a pretty good hatch on the river. And so we were able to get quite a few of them. But I was also, I scouted almost every day looking for birds in fields. And I mean, I found a couple feeds, but given how much I scouted, uh, I was pretty surprised by the lack of birds I saw in fields. And then of course the couple of feeds I did find, I wasn't able to get permission on. So only ended up hunting the river, but I uh, can't complain with the hunts we had. They're pretty good. 
But uh, I was pretty jealous of some of the teal hunts you got on, Matt. Let's hear about that. Yeah, well, I guess uh, before that, we we were covered up in doves. Everyone in Nebraska, I know Colorado, I heard, was pretty good. I want to say Kansas, too, even. Uh, it you know we just didn't have those early cold fronts we usually do in like August. It seems like the week before dove season opens here, we'll have a big cold front. It'll push teal in and it'll push all the doves out. And that literally just happened last Wednesday. It's uh, September the twenty sixth, as I say this. So it's literally less than a week ago that we lost all our doves. But I went out a week ago today actually and shot a limited <laughs> limited doves over a millet field. So uh, our dove hunting was insane this year. But the teal hunting was tough. It was really tough. We're still in a big drought um, across the state. So I had to, I mean, we had to put on lots of miles. Um, I scouted super hard. And opening day, we had a had a good hunt with uh, my buddy Tyler and a couple other buddies from Wyoming. And Tyler brought his two boys. And his boy got his first two teal. So that was probably the highlight. First ducks ever, actually. That was probably the highlight of my whole teal season. Because after that, I mean, the next day we went out to another spot and, uh, you know, we, we set up and we shot a two man limited teal. My buddy, uh, Bryce, he only got three, I believe on that hunt and just, they kind of quit, you know, turned off once, once he had opportunities or once we were fill, full. Um, and then after that, we went to the same spot and <laughs> we shot four. So they, they really fooled us there. And then the rest of that week, you know, I, I did a bunch of after work teal hunts and it was a hundred degrees pretty much the whole every day after work. And where I was hunting was thick, thick mud, which I had these mud boots that are awesome. I, I love those things. Um, but walking out in hundred degree temps and waders, even without the, you know, the insulation, you get pretty toasty, especially when there's not a breeze. And I, I think I got one teal one day, two teal another day, and then like another teal. And then finally we had a cold front come through for the last weekend and we hunted, we hunted that mud and that stuff. I mean, it just sticks to you. And even with my mud boots, I found one place where like it was up past my waist and my buddy had to, like I had to pull, it was everything I could do to pull up one leg with those mud boots on because they were just <laughs> kind of like sucking me down in this. I mean, it was like quicksand stuff. They, I mean, cause they're on soft stuff. Like my buddy would be walking. He didn't have them. And he'd be knee deep in mud and I'd be like two inches in mud with those mud boots on. <laughs> like yeah. I would be looking down on him, but <laughs> we walked through this, this quagmire and it just, it didn't matter. I mean, it, it just, there was no structure in that mud and you just sunk until you got to the bottom. And so I had to mm. pull my mud boots out and it was like all it, cause it was, it was a shorter walk to the truck is why we took that way. So we're like, after you know we shot our limit and we're like oh let's take the shorter walk there's a reason we didn't come in that way <laughs> we, we probably would have turned around uh but yeah that was that was uh you know eventful and i didn't have my camera or anything on at that point so i didn't get to capture any of that but holy crap my quads and hamstrings burned that whole week after just from that mud it was brutal so hopefully big duck is a little easier on us but uh I'm not, you know, I'm not holding uh, or crossing my fingers too much because until we get some rain, we're going to have to really, uh, really put on the miles and do the hard work to get on the ducks. Yeah. It, from the pictures I've seen and from what I've heard, I mean, it sounds like it's pretty bad down there. What is, uh, are, is, the, is the crop 
situation pretty bad is you know y'all looking at a pretty big time crop failure down there and yeah so across the state of nebraska there's several rivers that are bone dry like just just bone dry you drive over them and bridges and stuff it's just sand um the crops there i mean just today i was out in a field and i had a corn that was tasseled out and it was below my waist and i'm five mm. eleven, so that just that's I mean, it was maybe two and a half foot tall corn, no ears. Most of the corn that grew on dry land, it just grew and then keeled over. Um, on irrigated, it did all right. Um, we still had a lot of, it was really hot. So after a certain temperature, corn stops growing, uh, growing degree mm-hmm. days and stuff. Uh, so that, that the heat alone, even with irrigation kind of, you know, that that's going to hurt your yield, but on the dry land, no, you know, no water, um, <laughs> the guys that did get water got hail with it or high wind because it came from thunderstorms. Um, some people, you know, some people lucked out and they got some timely rains, more uh, more eastern Nebraska. But even, I mean, the whole state's in a drought. Like if you pull up the drought monitor, it doesn't matter what side of the state you go. It's, it's dry. <laughs> so we need all kinds of moisture and hopefully we get it. Rain, snow, I don't care. Yeah, it sounds like a bad deal out there. Definitely thinking about the farmers. Hopefully they're able to uh, make something out of the situation. I assume with the corn being that short, they'll probably just cut it for silage or roll it into hay or something like that. Some are. I mean, some of it, it's not even worth chopping for silage, honestly. Like it just dry. I mean, it's been dried up since July. So mm-hmm. they'll just leave it. Basically, it's going to be a cover crop for next year, plant right into it. So it'll it'll be interesting. I don't know. Hopefully, huh. hopefully we get some more rain for, I mean, we got guys drilling wheat. Um, yeah, we, we definitely need moisture in the soil profile. Gotcha. So what about your river spots? Not, I want to kind of try and bring up this topic without giving away the area you hunt, but <laughs> uh, are your river spots going to have any water in them for this year? If, if y'all don't get much rain in the near future? No. Uh, no, pretty much, uh, most of my, most of my spots are, uh, going to be <laughs> low, very low. Um, maybe they'll catch some water after irrigation shuts off, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, I, I don't know what to expect this season. Honestly, it's, it's going to be different. I mean, it'll be challenging, but it, it's, it's a fun challenge. I wish, yeah. I wish it wasn't, but you know, it's always, that's, you just got to take the, Take the curveballs you're given and uh, just keep going on. No, yeah, absolutely. It should be interesting to follow along as you try and make the most of that that situation. I, one thing you brought up at the very beginning that I was thinking about too is that that the what you're talking about with the cold front pushing y'all's doves out and bringing the teal in that could have been the reason that our dove season was so bad in Virginia. And maybe I've never thought about it like this before, but maybe by opening day in Virginia, we're already seeing some migratory doves down there typically. And maybe we didn't get the cold front this year and we were just relying on local doves and maybe they had bad local production. Um, and that was the reason that we, that we didn't have a good dove season. That was kind of make more sense than anything else. So, and I, I know I've watched a lot of your dove hunt videos. You guys kind of hunt that timber stuff. Um, what are, what are, what's, what's the food source you're looking for when you're going dove hunting? Um, you know, like out here we like sunflowers, um, 
millet's really good. A bunch of the small grain crops typically. And then, you know, you can get, we get wild sunflowers too and other just small, small seeded plants basically that they'll like to, like to, uh, feed on. So what, what do they, uh, like to feed on back in Virginia? Uh, it's a couple different things. And that one spot you're talking about is, is a cutover basically. And in there, they're mainly eating on poke berries. So it's a purple berry and they grow in these really big bushes. Uh, and that spot actually was really bad this season because typically the farmer who owns that piece of ground, he has some cows in there. So the cows typically eat up all the grass. So typically there's a bunch of bare ground below those pokeberry bushes that the doves can land into that bare ground and then pick at those pokeberries. But because he didn't have cows in there this summer, pretty much everything was grown up. So the doves didn't have anywhere to land to get to those berries. So that was the reason that spot was bad. Uh, But then also, we typically hunt some cornfields, either uh, early in September, typically silage. Later on in September, you start to see some cut corn and then sometimes some bean fields. But we don't have any millet or spring wheat, so uh, those aren't really options. And then you'll have people plant sunflowers specifically for doves. But I've never seen um, any farmers grow an ag field of sunflowers in Virginia. It's just not a, not a crop that people grow. Do you now, do you have like a tobacco fields around that area in Virginia where you're from? That's, or is that more North Carolina further south? Uh, North Carolina has a lot of them. Southern Virginia has a good bit of them. So if I was to go like 30, 45 minutes south from the area I typically hunt, I'd start to see some tobacco. Okay. I've just, you know, I was curious about that. I've never, uh, never seen it in person because no one grows it in Nebraska. So. Yeah, and that, it's actually had a huge rebound uh, during when there was the trade war with China. China is actually one of the biggest uh, consumers of our tobacco. You know, they, their culture is very heavy into smoking. Uh, so a lot of the tobacco that we grow here goes over to China. And when we had that trade war, uh, Chinese weren't buying our tobacco. So they're like when I uh got down to that area for college there was hardly any tobacco and then throughout like the last couple years that i was in school you started to see more tobacco being grown so that was interesting to see but it doesn't seem like you know any birds or anything used i think it's pretty much noxious to any sort of wildlife um yeah it has oh go ahead uh, it has like uh, i believe it's like neonicotinoids or something like i i might i'm pro i'm butchering that i know i am but yeah, it's a natural uh, pesticide, I guess. Yeah, um, I mean it has nicotine, and nicotine yeah. is a uh, nicotine is a pesticide, basically. And uh, one thing that the doves do like, actually, that we're starting to see more of is hemp fields, and they'll get in those in uh, late season, like December, January. And I guess they're picking at the seeds from the hemp plants. And uh, I've seen a cu- I've, there's not many hemp fields around, but I've seen a couple of them that were cut and late in the season, just absolutely chalked full of doves. So that's a pretty cool uh, thing to be able to hunt if you can get on them. Yeah, we we uh, well, there's a little bit of hemp growing around Nebraska, but uh, we have a marijuana. Can't talk. Marijuana <laughs> grows wild out here. Um, it's remnants from back in the whenever they grew hemp industry, you know, for the uh, I want to say it's the 40s or 30s or something. But basically, it's it's just a remnant of that. It's a weed. 
um, but it comes in in like high traffic areas. So like on rangeland where there's cows, where there's probably like mineral or they feed them a lot and then they pull them off, it can really mm-hmm. thrive there. And if you find one of those spots and there's, you know, water nearby, it's it's lights out for doves like that out here too. Hmm. That's interesting. So what's uh, what's the outlook for duck season? Y'all open up there, what, in a week now? No, we open up Saturday. This week is dragging by. <laughs> um, but no, I I don't know. There, there's some local ducks around. There's there's teal around now. There's more teal around probably. If I had to guess, I mean, I haven't seen, you know, haven't seen many um, since our teal season closed. But um, I'd guess it's probably going to be more of a teal shoot this opening weekend than anything. And probably some local mallards, maybe. We saw a few pintails and shoveler during teal season, so probably see some of those. And I saw a few wood ducks last week, so I don't really know what what's going to show up. Hopefully, a little bit of everything. Are you going to head up to the hills? Or are you going to hunt your local area? I am going to head up to the hills. I might probably try some new areas out um, that I've scouted out. We'll we'll see what happens. I don't know. Going solo this weekend, so I, oh, I really wow. like yeah, like my. Like my little solo hunts, so that that should be fun. Hopefully, you know, get a couple. <laughs> I might even shoot some gadwall. I don't know, Thomas. <laughs> oh, we shot a couple of them on Sunday. I was thinking about you when the dog brought them back to the blind. Good, shoot them all. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't smell any different than the mallards we shot. Uh, That's all I'll say about that. <laughs> but they weren't banded, so Jordan don't shoot them. Yeah. <laughs> No kidding. Uh, I would have, if I had put money on any two hunts of the season to shoot bands during, it would have been the two opening days of the Minnesota duck season. I mean, they do, there's a lot of banding projects around the area that I'm at. And we shot, I don't know, 50, some 40, 50 ducks in two days and not a single band. So I think my odds of getting a band are probably just going to keep on going down as the season goes on. Yeah, man, you were killing me this week, and you were sending us all the all the Marco Polos, and you just got piles of geese and ducks, and it's like, gosh, I can't do anything. There's no doves. <laughs> all I did, well, I guess I, I prepared for a hunt I'm going on here in a couple of weeks. Uh, my dad and I are going on an antelope hunt, so we sighted in rifles Saturday, but that was about the uh, extent of my hunting that I did you know, or hunting, anything hunting related, honestly, that I did this past weekend. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, you kind of making me sound like one of those guys who likes to rub it in, but this was like my one opportunity all season to be shooting birds when y'all weren't typically it's the other way around. Like the other three months of the season is typically you and everybody else on the central flyway sending videos of all these birds. And I'm stuck in Virginia trying to pick off a couple wood ducks. So Thomas, I have I did, no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> oh yeah. absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, when uh, I got on my first ever field field duck hunt on Saturday, I had to, uh, had to rub it in just a little bit. No, I'm I'm pumped to see that video. Hopefully, it's coming out this week. All uh, right. Yeah, I'm gonna awesome. try and get it out. Get it out Wednesday. Um, kind of a hectic hunt, you know. It was seven of us, and we had probably a thousand ducks coming into the field. So <sighs> things were pretty fast and furious. And uh, but I mean, it was a good hunt, and yeah, no complaints. So just gonna have to uh, 
it's just going to be a lot of footage to edit because it was pretty much nonstop action for like the first two hours. Hey, those are the fun ones to edit though, right? Like you just got, oh, absolutely. You got so much stuff to put in and it's like, okay, what do I need to, you know, tr- where do I need to trim the fat? You know, yep. so to speak. So, <laughs> Yep, absolutely. Awesome. So was it just mallards? I mean, I know you said you shot a few gadwall. Um, was there any other ducks out there in the field with you? Uh, in the field, it was just mallards. We got a couple wood ducks, which actually I was surprised by the uh, lack of wood ducks. You know, typically being from Virginia, I never think of wood ducks as a, being a field feeding bird. But when I've been out in North Dakota, the last two uh, trips out in August, I've seen just huge flocks of wood ducks work in wheat fields. And we were set up in a wheat field on Saturday. So I was expecting to see some wood ducks hitting it. And we got a couple that were just kind of like trading between water that, you know, saw the spinners and came to take a look. But it was primarily just mallards that were feeding in there. And then we did have one blue wing that uh, came and checked out the spinners over a wheat field. So that was pretty interesting. <laughs> um, I've heard of it happening a bunch. I actually had a buddy who like a couple of years ago, weird tangent here, but he was hunting down in like Southern Louisiana, like the Venice area. And they set up in a pasture, like a completely grass pasture, no water in it with like four spinners and under a flight line and shot like a three man limit of teal over a dry pasture just because they knew they were under a flight line and teal love spinners so much. So huh. um, I had a feeling if there were teal in the area, we might see some traffic from them And then uh, we got some geese as well. But Sunday was the day we got the gadwalls. We hunted a big, actually like a huge cattle pond. And we were really just set up for geese. So like we didn't get set up till almost 15 minutes after shooting light. But uh, the ducks must have been using it as a loaf too. And they were just trickling in there. So we got, I think like seven different species. Pretty cool mixed bag between three of us. Dang, that's awesome. Yeah, that's. You know, one thing I like about, well, it doesn't matter if basically the early duck zone in Nebraska, anywhere you go, you can get those mixed bag species hunts, you know, um, you can get, sometimes you'll even find like canvas backs up there, redheads, uh, you know, all your, all your regular, your teal and mallard, pintail, shoveler, your early migrating, uh, puddle ducks for the most part, but the variety you can get is just so cool to me. Uh, You know, that's one of the favorite parts of about, you know, Personally, the Sandhills is because I like all the scenic stuff up there, but even the basins in Nebraska, you can also, you know, find that variety. Yeah, that's what, yeah, it's one of my favorite things about just duck hunting in general. Um, I, I love goose hunting, but I think duck, for me, duck hunting has just a leg up on it because you never know what's going to come in next. Like if you're goose hunting, it's either going to be a Canada or like maybe if you're super lucky, a speck or a snow will be mixed in or something like that. But for duck hunting, especially over water, uh, you just never know what's going to swing by the spread next. And we actually did get a redhead on that cattle pond. So that was pretty cool. First diver of the season. Yeah, I, I completely agree. That's why I like duck hunting more than goose hunting too. Like you said, you know, just, and you know, what really, what I'm super interested by is just how they hybridize, you know, um, just all the different potential for hybrids. And I think I've seen one hybrid and oh, no, I actually saw two. I got a picture of a mallard pintail hybrid this past off season. So hopefully he stops by the blind, not this weekend, but like <laughs> in two, three months when he's nice and plumed out, <laughs> that would be awesome. But I mean, there's, yeah, like exactly. You never know what you're going to get. So that's, it's just, that's just part of the fun of it. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was a uh, that was a very very pretty duck. I think you're a better person than uh, some people. I think because I think some people would have been would have been tempted, even though it was a little bit after season. I had so many people be like. And then the twenty two popped out. I was like, no, <laughs> nope. I just used my uh, my big camera lens. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. I mean, you'd have to find a pretty good taxidermist to bring him a uh, mallard pinto hybrid after season with a twenty two hole in it and have him not call the game warden. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, it was just it's just cool to cool to watch him i mean since i got into photography it's just extended my season so much more just going around like i think this upcoming off season i mean i'm already making plans for this like i'm just gonna go sit in the reeds or make a little blind and basically take pictures of shoot shoot ducks with my camera try to decoy them close with my camera this you know this off season until turkey season opens up so yeah i'm, I'm not looking forward to that yet though <laughs> I want to use the gun yeah, you, first. Yeah, you got some you got some ducks to put in the freezer before that. <laughs> yeah. So how are the how are the sandhills going to be affected by the drought? Is it going to be kind of same old same old up there or are things going to be different? They're they're going to be different. Um I mean, we hunted a few of them for teal season and water levels are down. Uh some some ponds are completely dried. I mean there's ones where I've seen water the last five, six years and it's almost dried up except for where they maybe dug a trench out years ago to try to like get the water off the meadow so they could bail it, you know, many, many years ago. They probably did that in a dry year as well. Um some of them it's gonna you know, it's gonna help. It's gonna give more shallow water, it's gonna give more food options you know you can get some of that smart weed or duck weed or maybe some of that sedge or something growing up in the exper- uh, exposed uh, moist soil um but yeah i, I it, it's kind of a crapshoot i mean if and i'm just for anyone listening out there who thinks you're just gonna drive up to the sand hills and just like shoot a bunch of ducks like you might but you need to scout because each pond is different like there can be canvas backs in the area on one pond and you'd be like, Oh, I can set up on this other pond. You won't see one canvas back. Like they, they, you know, it, it's just, there's differences in vegetation. There's differences. You know, one might be a sand bottom. One might be super thick muck. Uh, one might have duckweed thick with duckweed. And that's where all the gadwall are eating that green sludge. And the other one might be open crystal clear. Well, kind of brownish water, like clear brownish water, I guess kind of alkaline um so there's there's just a lot of variety in them and yeah you you definitely want to do your scouting especially this year because like there's places where you you can hunt and then you show up and it's like you know like places i've hunted even in the past and i scouted them out during teal season and it's like wow this looks completely different than even just a year ago or three years ago so that'll you know it'll it's part of the fun trying to figure out basically trying to figure out how to learn how to hunt all these places again. <laughs> so, uh, some will be better. I'm sure some will be worse, but we'll find out here shortly. Yep. Absolutely. I, just from an outsider perspective, I would think that the Sandhills would be maybe the beneficiary of the dry weather be, being that there's almost no kind of small playas and, uh, the river systems are dry. Maybe the birds would, uh, be using the Sandhills 
more, but I guess they freeze out so early that that might not be the case. Yeah, they, they do. Um, you know, I've had, uh, <laughs> I've gotten messages from guys asking about hunting the sandhills and it'll be like in December, they're like, Hey, I'm heading up to the sandhills this week. And what do I need to bring? I was like, uh, an ice auger. <laughs> it's like you're not duck hunting the sandhills in december unless we have a super warm winter <laughs> yep <laughs> uh, that would be quite the video doing some ice fishing and duck hunting at the same time i mean you could probably find places like where the wind blows it open but i don't think there'd be many ducks sticking around uh, yeah they'd have to be pretty hardy I mean, I've hunted it with just sheet ice and busted it, and there there's still some up there, but for the most part, they clear out pretty quick. Gotcha. And do you I, know off the top, do you know off the top of your head what's the latest in the year you've ever hunted up there? Oh, it'd be probably the second week in November at the latest, if I had to oh, guess. Oh wow! Yeah, they. I mean, because you, you think about it, they're just ponds, basically. Some of them are bigger; they're lakes. Um, but they're nestled in between these hills and it gets a lot, a lot colder up there. You know, like, um, it can be anywhere from 10 to 15 degrees colder than other parts of the state, just for whatever reason, but they're kind of, you know, they're low lying areas. They're out of the wind. So that leads to, you know, good freezing conditions. Typically like last year, I think I was breaking ice when I was hunting them in mid October. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Two, two, three years ago during teal season, first week of September, it snowed up there. So, I mean, that mm. just, that just gives you a little bit of idea, like of the variability of <laughs> the sand hills. Like it's, it's just crazy weather up there. Huh. That's interesting. I'd assume also just the lack of trees up there, uh, causes the temperatures to swing more, you know, there's nothing, nothing to hold that heat in overnight. So probably just have typically low or overnight lows than you do in the areas of the state. Not that Nebraska has many trees to begin with, but in the areas of the state that do have a few more. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know how it'd be interesting to talk to like, you know, a climatologist about, you know, why all that, why everything works up there, how it does. But I mean, it's just such a cool area. Um, I love, love hunting it. And as much as, you know, I was excited as I am to try to get an antelope this year, I'm a little bummed that I got to miss a weekend to <laughs> to go shoot an antelope rather than duck on it. It's, I don't know. It's kind of like a little, I mean, it happens during deer season too, because I always take off a weekend usually and go deer hunting. Uh, this past year, I just went in the morning and then went goose hunting and duck hunting the, you <laughs> know, the afternoon, in the afternoon, and then uh, went the next day, but it's, it's always, uh, it's always tough. Like I, kudos, kudos to you deer hunters that sit in the stand for 50, 60, 70 days a year, whatever your season. I mean, I guess both season here started September 1st and goes to like mid January or something. So, and there's guys that'll sit in stands like, you know, they, they live for that and they'll pass up all kinds of bucks and stuff. And you know, they, they want that big one. I like seeing deer too. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> I want, you know, I, I would rather be shooting ducks personally. Yeah. I'm sure they say the same thing about us though. I mean, when they're sitting up there in the deer stand, they're probably like, Oh, look at those absolute crazy, you know, 
they're crazy out there wading around in that mud with the ice. You know, if they fall in, they're going to get hypothermia and they're doing it for this duck. And, you know, they get, they get a 10th of the meat out of, you know, three limits of ducks than I do off of one deer. So I'm sure they have, you know, similar thoughts about us. Yeah. They probably think we're all crazy too. So, yep. Oh, well. that's exactly right. <laughs> uh. So for uh, for your antelope hunt, is a it's a rifle hunt? You said, yeah, yep. Taking a two forty three out. It's the, well, it's what I've shot most of my deer with, actually. So, really, huh? I would think that. Uh, I mean, that's that's the typical rifle in Virginia, but I would assume our deer aren't quite as big as the ones out in Nebraska. Being y'all's, y'all have a. Uh, I assume corn fed deer out there. Oh yeah. They're, they're big, big old deer. (laughs) But no, you mean you just poke them in the vitals. That's all that matters. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Where are, where you, can you divulge what part of the state you're head to, to chase antelope? Are they all up in the sand hills? There's some in the sand hills. Um, I'm, Oh, I got a little echo there, but, uh, I'm headed out to, Oh, sorry. My headphones died. Oh, all right. Can you hear me? Are we still good? Yeah, I still got you. All right. We'll just keep on soldiering on here. Uh, Sorry about the interruption, people out there listening. But uh, no, I'm going to be out in the panhandle. Um, It's a little different country out there. It's more, it's not sand hills. It's more, I mean, it's still rangeland, I guess, but it's uh, more short grass prairie, I guess. And, uh, they'll be, they can feed in, you know, you'll find them in fields too and stuff here and there, but I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. It should be a fun time regardless. My dad's never got one. I've never, never even attempted. I mean, this is the first time I'm ever going out. So hopefully can put, put the sneak on a couple of them and come back. I already decided if I get a decent buck though, I'm got, he's going on the wall. So, <laughs> oh yeah. Like you don't already have enough mounts. <laughs> Oh, I've got, what do I, got? I think I have five at the taxidermist yet. So <laughs> I'm going, basically at this point, I'm going for a wall of all Drake of every duck species and two or three quill lake geese, I guess. Yeah. I don't know how you're ever going to save up enough money for a ring for that lady of yours. If all you ever do is spend money on duck hunting gear and mounts. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. I'm sure, uh, We'll we'll figure something out. You'll have to start selling blood or something for her. <laughs> well, the, if, I, if Jordan would ever let me right? shoot a band, I'd just give her a band off a of goose I shot. <laughs> Ideally, I mean sure it's shiny. It's, I mean it's more rare than a diamond to me, not to Jordan. <laughs> uh, I would love to see the reaction on that. I can only assume it, you know that's just going to be uh, received with with the highest regards. Hey, now, now you laugh, but when I get, whenever I get hitched and I got to get my wedding band, I want a platinum ring that looks like a duck band. And on the outside is the date. So I never forget it. Perfect. Mm. I mean, it's foolproof. I don't know. I think it'd be cooler if you put it on the inside. That way it's not like, it's not one of those flashy sort of deals, but when you, you know, when you take it off at night, you always see it on the inside. I think that'd be a little bit classier. Well, I want it to look like a duck band though, you know? Mm, fair enough 
I don't know. That's that's just uh, what I want. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I don't even know if they make things like that. So <laughs> I'm sure you can. I'm sure you can have it made if they don't. Yeah. Well, we're off on a weird tangent now. Yeah, I mean, this is a, a good point we... to wrap it up. Or you got anything else you want to touch on? <laughs> oh, not not too much. Um, it's also football season, but that's kind of depressing here in the state of Nebraska. I guess it's actually no, it's it's uh, exciting because you know we we got rid of some dead weight finally. Um, everyone's all crazy about the coaching change here. We're all uh, speculating, so. I'll throw out my guess. It's going to be Lance Leopold. Sorry, Kansas fans. But uh, that's who I see getting getting the nod. But Thomas... You know, I think it's going to be Urban Meyer? Oh, no. I don't I don't think so. I think Auburn's going to fire their coach. And if any, if he goes anywhere, I think he goes to Auburn. That's what I'm throwing out. Hmm. It would be very interesting to see uh, Urban Meyer hitting up that Lincoln, Nebraska bar scene. That would make for some interesting Snapchat videos, I think. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I, I mean, there, there'd be no hiding it either. Like, this Lincoln is like a fishbowl, basically. Like, there's you go out in public and people recognize you. I mean, instantly. <laughs> the, the head football coach is like the biggest celebrity instantly in the state. Yeah. I think if you go, I, I'd like to see, uh, maybe someone will do this. I, I doubt it. But I think if you go back and listen to one of the first episodes that me and you were on back when we were doing it with with uh, Ben and Alex, I believe we discussed the Nebraska football situation. I believe back then you were quite, uh, you were quite pro Scott Frost. Oh, I was back then. Um, I jumped off that bag- bandwagon a couple of years ago now. Um, Basically, you know, he was a, well, they call him Scott Fraud now and all, you know, there's all kinds of nicknames for him. My favorite is Scooter, Scooter Frost. (laughs) I don't know, something funny about that, but Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, I thought he was the right hire at the time. You had to make it. He was coming off an undefeated season at UCF and, uh, you know, he was alumnus, had all this, you know, all it, it was like the stars were aligning and unfortunately, didn't pan out, but no hard feelings. Hopefully, you know, he comes back because he's still a, you know, he won us a national title as a quarterback. So, um, you know, he's probably going to lay low in Lincoln for a few years and then uh, he'll might be welcome back for all the anniversaries of the national titles back, you know, <laughs> sometime in the future. What do you think went wrong for him? Oh, there's, uh, there's a lot of rumors. Um, but, starting it right off the bat is his strength and conditioning coach. Um, he's basically from modern day bodybuilders to NFL players have said like, yeah, this isn't conducive to modern college football or modern football at all. He was focusing more on bulking rather than conditioning from how I understand it. And if Hmm. you watch Nebraska games, you'll see our players are like gassed in that last quarter. Usually like they're just, they're out of breath. They just, so, you know, that, that's a, that's a popular rumor. Um, and then there was, there was a lot of other stuff going on behind the scenes. It sounds like too, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to throw out a bunch of baseless rumors, but I mean, just, I, I think you should, I mean, <laughs> you can go on the Husker message boards for all that Scott stuff. Frost is going to be suing you for libel or defamation. So <laughs> I think you got pretty much an open playbook here. Well, he probably listens to this. 
I don't, I don't know, but no, he, uh, like our, our AD was talking, um, you know, I guess Frost would go play golf a lot. Uh, there was rumors that he would stay out late, um, with some buddies from the 97 team that are in Husker leadership positions too. Uh, and there's a bunch of other stuff out there too, but just, you know, he, he just wasn't accountable. Wasn't, uh, he threw people under the bus, came up with a bunch of excuses. I mean, that stuff you can go back and listen to. It's blaming losses on clapping or whistles or not wearing a sweatshirt in cold weather or wearing sweatshirts in cold weather. Like just, I don't know, embarrassing stuff when you go back and li- you know, listen in on it. But that's probably enough uh, football talk. I guess I've got the Cowboys-Giants game on right now. So are the Cowboys – oh, they're tied. Okay, they're probably going to lose to the Giants. Figure, you know – Whoever's a Cowboys fan out there, sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry if you're a Cowboys fan, I feel sorry for you automatically. So, now, is is uh is your former employer a, a Cowboys fan? Either one of them? Uh, no. Uh, Jeff is a a Redskins fan. Oops, sorry, I meant the Commanders. C- commies. Um, and uh, Andy's a Packers fan. So no, oh, that's that's weird in Texas. Yeah, I don't. I think I don't know what's behind the Packers thing. I think Jeff. I don't know about either of them. Jeff definitely doesn't like the Cowboys, so I'm on his side with that one. I'm not a, not a Cowboys fan either. <laughs> Old Blake Poppy is a uh, Cincinnati Bengals fan because his, <laughs> yeah. his cousin is Joe Bengals. Burrow. So that's kind of cool. Well, yeah, he's cousins with him, isn't he? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so that's kind of cool. But they're not doing. I think they won this week. I think they, yeah. Yeah, they yeah, did. They, they beat the Jets, so I guess, yeah. I mean, it shouldn't be too hard. Yeah, that doesn't really count for anything. <laughs> did, uh, did you know if Blake put a big bet on the Super Bowl? I don't know. Uh, I yeah, think I don't, he I'll, have to, I'll have to ask him. You know, being cousins with old Joe. I saw, <laughs> he, yeah, he bet on, uh, he bet on the Rams, told Joe to throw it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So that's why oh, I lost the two hundred dollars. <laughs> and I have a bone to pick with Blake when I, if I see him soon. Yeah, are you gonna make a make a jaunt down this way? I'm gonna try to. Uh, yeah. Not sure when it'll be, but I'm gonna try to get down your way sometime this season. I want see, to. Uh, I th- I think there's gonna be a lot of people come to. Well, see, our duck opener here opens this weekend, so I know Josh has come to Nebraska. He's not hunting with me though. He's hunting. Um, with a uh, oh whiskey, whiskey slews whiskey slews yeah um and then i would assume elliot is i'm not 100 percent sure but i think he's made the trek before for you know because why would if when you're that close why would you wait a whole week when you can just drive up to nebraska i mean i would assume that the pressure up there is going to be pretty crazy between the lack of water and the you know the yeah. cold front rolling in friday i would I'd assume those areas that we hunted like two years ago are going to be absolutely jam packed full of people. Yeah. And I'm trying to think what other States open. I think I'm not sure if Iowa does Wyoming and Colorado, I believe part of their zones do, but I'm not, I can't remember. And South Dakota might already be open. Yeah. South Dakota is already open, but you have to draw a license for South Dakota. That's yeah, that's right. So North Dakota, the non-resident, it opens up this weekend. So some people might make be making a trek up there. Um, 
I'm actually kind of surprised by the lack of ducks I'm seeing right now in Minnesota. I scouted this evening and scouted probably like 10 or 15 different ponds. And, you know, there was ducks on each one of them, but on each, you know, every one of them it was like between five and 10 ducks and all mostly ringnecks. So I don't know what's up with that. I think it might be, you know, we, there's really good habitat up there, up here this year. There's wild rice everywhere. So maybe that's just spreading the ducks out. But, um, I was expecting to to see some more birds. So I don't know if that's the same way out in North Dakota or not. It seems like they, they definitely have more breeding birds out there. But, uh, yeah, not not exactly what I was expecting, you know, being still very early in the season up here. I was expecting to see a lot of teal and wood ducks, and I'm not really seeing them. So are you going to go out hunting tomorrow? No. Nah. Real question. Oh, come on, man. Did you Did you see my Marco? No, I didn't open it up yet. Oh, but. okay. So this summer was so miserable for me. My goal is every day I could go hunting, I'm going to. That's why I went teal hunting in 100 degree weather because I've missed duck hunting so much. Got to take advantage of every opportunity you have to go duck hunting. If I was up there, I would be hunting every single day, even if it's just a scout hunt. You know, go out, take six decoys, try a new spot, you know, just keep switching it up until you find something that works. It'd be different if, if I could drive 10 minutes to a spot, but all the spots I get to hunt are, you know, 30 to 45 minutes away and gas isn't, isn't cheap up here by any stretch of the imagination still. So I I agree with you. Like if, if I had a spot five, 10 minutes down the road, I'd be hunting every single day. No questions asked. You literally, you, and I bring up five, 10 minutes away because you can go to spots. I know for a fact. No. Yes. No. 15 minutes then. Okay. There is water 15 minutes from your house. That is not the case for me. That's so not I live true. in a little bit of, even though I'm in the land of 10,000 lakes, I'm in a little bit of a desert right in this <laughs> particular spot I'm in. So um, Have you I, heard I, of like, I absolutely camping? would hunt tomorrow if I had seen, if I had seen 20 ducks on a pond, I would have gone and hunted tomorrow, but what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to go burn five gallons of gas. And okay. Wasn't it? Wasn't it Jordan last year who saw like two geese on a pond? He didn't have goose decoys, so he went to the local sporting goods store and bought like some cheap, crappy goose decoys and tried to hunt that pond the next day. Yeah, he did do that. (laughs) He didn't shoot anything. (laughs) I know, but that's that's the mentality you have to have. (laughs) Uh, As much as I like, I I love hunting. (laughs) I love hunting more than anything else, but there's still you got to be rational about it at the very least like no i i, mean, I, I understand you don't want to burn yourself out I, I i i do have the opportunity to hunt nearly every day up here which i'm extremely blessed to have that opportunity but i also do have a job up here albeit with very flexible hours but <laughs> you know i'm uh if i go hunting if i you know get up at three o'clock in the morning it's almost 10 o'clock already you know i i don't need to be going into tomorrow's work day you know already half burnt out so uh yeah i'm just gonna try and play my cards right like i, I definitely will be hunting up here plenty but uh just want to be smart about just it bankster berry drink drink a couple of those a day you won't need to sleep yeah i kind of like my heart um you know functioning properly and not you know have not i don't like heart want to have a heart attack so yeah i'm trying to avoid I've been drinking those like you do. Hey, I'm still, I'm still kicking right now. So, (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm not wishing any ill will on you, but yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, yeah, I don't knock on wood. Knock on wood here. I, yeah. I, I mean, it only has 300 milligrams of caffeine. So I think, um, you know, what I was reading is as long as you drink a lot of water, you're fine. But I'm not a, you know, heart surgeon or heart doctor. So I guess I can't really. Uh, don't, don't quote me on that, anyone out there. Yeah, this is like <laughs> when people talk about financial advice, you have to give that. I'm not a financial advisor disclaimer. Yeah. Matt is not a heart surgeon disclaimer. <laughs> yeah. So. All right. I think this is a good place. All right. Yeah, we're, we're, we've are we're jumped the shark completely. But uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to go check out the Foul Front podcast group on Facebook. There's... There's some uh, some people talking about stuff in there, finally. So uh, we're starting to slowly grow. And check us out both on YouTube, High Prairie Sportsman, and Thomas, Hoke Outdoors. And we will catch you on the next one, guys. Wait one sec. That's uh, one last thing. If someone, if you get, let's do a little, uh, little kind of, uh, gosh, what is it? A little competition. So if someone comes <laughs> up with a good topic, um, put drop some topics in the uh in the foul front Facebook group and whichever one gets the most likes, we will record a podcast uh, within the week on that one. So that'll, you know, egg us on to keep on recording these. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you guys be the kick in the rear. We need to record more of these. So, but we'll see you. See you.